Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Hey y'all, we're back for another week of Tis the Podcast, the podcast dedicated to keeping the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Julia. I'm Tom. And I wasn't (laughs) ready for that. I'm Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the cadence we're so used to? Um, (laughs) Been that long since I've hosted? (laughs) No, I think it's, I think my cold medicine is just making my brain a little foggy tonight. All right, Anthony's going to be slow tonight on every, every responses, so we're going to have fun. Uh, well, I'm excited know. to see y'all again, especially since the weather is getting colder for us Oklahomans, and I think for you New Yorkers as well. Oh, yeah. You could almost say the weather outside is getting frightful. Oh, I'm excited. It's really I feeling too. like Christmas. It felt, this weekend was amazing. It felt, I it was with my grandma. She came in from uh, Houston and was with us, and I told her as said grandma this feels like a houston christmas it really did <laughs> yeah it did that's so funny that you say that <laughs> how was your week with your grandma it was awesome we took ellie to brush creek bazaar to see an amazing kids performer hot toast music company simon hajar it was awesome and while there y'all i can check something off my bucket list that i didn't know was on it i got to hold and was kissed by a baby kangaroo <gasps> oh my god! And I got my nose nuzzled by a five-month-old camel. How big is a five-month-old camel? His head does not. His head is lower than mine. Oh. And Ellie rode a pony, and then we went to the pumpkin patch the next day, oh, at, and they had camels yeah, at the pumpkin any patch. Pictures of this? Yeah, we do need pictures. Videos. I'm really weird right now about posting pictures of Ellie. Uh, I'm talking about pictures of you nuzzling a a five-month-old camel. (laughs) Okay, I can post that. (laughs) Well, that sounds like a delightful holidays are coming experience you had over the weekend. It was amazing. Hey, Anthony, are you going to that great pumpkin blaze again? Uh, Maybe. Oh, you should take pictures if you do. I would love to see pictures of that, Anthony. Are you doing anything That was so cool last year. I want to kind of go to Horseman's Hollow that which is over in sleepy hollow and in the old dutch cemetery they reenact the legend of sleepy hollow and take you through all the sights from the legend as they go through the story and the horseman appears on the bridge at the end and and they serve warm apple cider and donuts and yeah i kind of want to do that this year yeah you should Uh, do that how neat is that it's awesome anthony you ranked tv oh Yeah. Are you talking about the office, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Good yes. Place debacle? Debacle. Yes. That That's was on, it. I said it. I said the D word. That was on Twitter, right, Anthony? 
Maybe. I saw it on Facebook. <laughs> so Anthony blew up the interwebs this week. Maybe not the interwebs, but he blew up our fan Facebook page and all of that by ranking defi- his definitive ranking of of his favorite shows, <laughs> at least of the group. It's not your all-time favorite shows, right? No, they're all shows that are you can put in the same category because Mike Shore is a producer right. on all four and has done all right. four. Right, and it's been con- is it's been as contentious as Edward Scissorhands last week. Would you care to share your ranking for those that have not read any of our social medias? Which you should if you haven't. I will share for those listening, and I stand by it. And I, you know what? Since you you both are coming at me so early on with an attack <laughs> on my opinions, I just want to preface this by saying what I replied in the comments. They're all within a stone's throw of one another, and I can be happy watching any of those four shows on repeat for the rest of my life, or be stranded on an island with any of the four. Okay. Now that I got that out of the way, my love for all four, yeah, I put The Office, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Good Place, and Parks and Rec. I but, said that's, but that's the wrong order. Julia, <laughs> how would you put those in? How would you rank those? Well, I've not seen The Good Place, so I can't rank that one. I'm, I'm the same place as you. I love all of these shows, but in order of loveness, starting with Most Loved, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and The Office. That's mine with The Good Place coming in last, and I don't have a lot of love for The Good Place. How come? Oh. I, don't I don't know. I just got bored with it. Like season one was good, but then I didn't really get into season two at all. They're all streaming, aren't they? Well, not the current season or whatever, but temporarily. 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 I will I'll say, add it to my list. Anthony, Janet was one of the coolest characters and most original things in any TV show I've seen in a long time. And see, I'm going to disagree with you here and say Janet's my least favorite part of that show. For real? <laughs> For real. <laughs> See, wow. I'm surprised that I didn't like it more because I am a big Kristen Bell fan. I love Kristen Bell later. Well, that, I, I think her and Ted Danson are just spectacular on that show. Got to add to my list. Y'all didn't steer me wrong when it came to Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so. Know that I'm giving you a different opinion than Anthony, though. Yes, I'm noting. Duly noted. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> well, speaking of differing opinions... And I hope that growl doesn't come back in this episode or I'm going to be super ticked. We are talking about the 2005 movie, The Family Stone, tonight. Uh, I'm just going to come through this computer screen and you don't even know. Um, I'm going to start with a brief plot synopsis and then we can get into our usual things because I'm interested. All right, plot synopsis. An uptight conservative businesswoman accompanies her boyfriend to his eccentric and outgoing family's annual Christmas celebration and finds that she's a fish out of water in their free-spirited way of life. Seems accurate. A little I bland. I call that a very loose plot summary for this film. Well, yeah, that's why I will dig into the details further for those that did not watch it. I want to know histories. Anthony, what's your history with this movie? What is my history with this movie? So I saw this movie... A while ago, probably around when it first came out, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was anything special. And I rewatched it again. And it's probably only my second or third time, probably my second time seeing it a few days ago, Sunday, for the podcast. And I didn't like it. I did not like it. And, and <laughs> I, w- I won't say there's anything like, I won't like go as far as 
I have in past episodes are like, this has nothing redeemable about it. Because <laughs> as we talk, you'll see there are things I like. But ultimately, in my opinion, it's a movie starring about where half of the cast are actors I can't stand. And then about, oh, I don't know whether to take, oh, this family was just so, oh, we'll get into it <laughs> This is history. So I'll get into what I don't like about the family when we talk about the movie. Tom, what's your history? Not nearly as impassioned as Anthony's. Um, I saw this movie a while back. It didn't really... Um, stick out as terribly memorable to me. I watched it again today. Uh, I just want to put an addendum on my history and say this is one of the four because I thought most people liked this movie. <gasps> so this is four. one of the four that people oh. were speculating on. Well, that's not surprising was, at all. Not even on our radar. No, not on my radar. Well, I realized that when doing my homework for this week and realizing... It's not as beloved as I thought it was in general. So no, I feel I misled. Misle- yeah, I know. <laughs> but the other three, the other three are not misleading. I'll leave it at that. Julia, what's your history? Uh, so I saw this movie a few years ago on TV. I never saw it in theaters, um, but I saw it on TV. And the first time I watched it, I was just kind of meh about it. I think I watched it outside of the Christmas season, and then the next time I watched it, it was in the middle of the Christmas season, and I I love this movie. It's one of my very favorite movies, like of any movie, and it's probably in my top fifteen favorite movies of all time. Ooh, um, and I, I just it gives me it gives me the feelings. It leaves me dehydrated. It's one of those at the end of it. I'm just like I'm like parched because this makes me cry lots of times. Um, but I have very strong emotional ties to it, which will come out when we talk about why you hated the family so much and why I love the family so much. <laughs> and yeah. um, I'm excited to talk about that because I happen to, to love most of these actors. All I can think about was here's Mr. B-list working his way into A-list cast again. But Dermot Mulroney. You know, he's not my biggest problem with this film, as we will get into. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about that cast. First off, the director is Thomas Bazucha. I'm probably butchering that. <clears throat> he has some writing, directing, teeny tiny acting credits to his name. Um, not a whole lot. Primarily, The Family Stone would be the biggest one you've heard of. But he was also the screenplay writer for the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, which was a Netflix movie based on a book that came out last year, which was fantastic if you like that Britishy type stuff, which I do. It was great. He also wrote Monte Carlo, which I'm not familiar with, but it's got Selena Gomez. So I figure it was probably popular with a fair amount of people. All right. So making up our cast of the Stone family and tertiary characters. The Stone matriarch is Sybil Stone, played by Diane Keaton, who we covered not too long ago in a Christmas movie. She was also in a fairly dysfunctional family Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Love the Coopers. Additionally, we have Dermot Mulrooney, which is her son, which I'm skipping right to because he's also been in some of her Christmas movies. <laughs> he was in The Christmas Train. And not to be confused with Dylan McDermott, this is Dermot Mulrooney. Both cutie McCute faces. So I see the prize. Both I see the, the confusion. That's right. Both cutie McCute faces. The patriarch of the family is Craig T. Nelson. He plays Kelly Stone. I don't. Do y'all have a favorite Craig T. Nelson movie? He's kind of one of those guys I love in absolutely everything he's been in. I really liked Coach. Did y'all watch Coach when it was on I li- TV? I like I Coach. Like Coach. I like. I like him a poltergeist. I like him as a dad. He's a good 
dad. And then he was in the Parenthood show that I never watched, but I, I like feel like Parenthood. it's one of those I would love. He's also Mr. Incredible from The Incredibles, and he has a ton of different credits to his name. Um, I definitely like his recent stuff versus his old stuff, aside from Coach. Rounding out our family are the other kids. So we have Amy Stone, which is played by Rachel McAdams. Know her primarily from The Notebook. I would imagine it's probably one of her most famous movies. Although she's and been in lots of- Mean Girls. And Mean, mean girls. girls. That's right. Mean Girls. Is that your favorite, Rachel McAdams? Yeah. Mean Girls. Absolutely. I like The Time Traveler's Wife. Did y'all ever see that? I, did I don't know if I did that. or not. The book is great. Did you say you did, Anthony? I did see that. Did you like it? I preferred the book. Is she one of the ones on your list you're not a big fan of? No, I love Rachel McAdams. And she's only okay. one of the only characters in this film I actually like while we're at it. But we'll get okay. to that. All right. Uh, we also have Luke Wilson as a stone. He's one of the brothers as well. Have we, t- we've talked, have we talked about Luke Wilson on the show yet? I know we've talked about him, but has he been in any of our Christmas movies? Thankfully, no. Nope. What? Is he one of the ones you don't like? I hate Luke Wilson. I hate oh, all I the Wilson, Wilson brothers. I oh. can't stand them. Good night, Anthony. <laughs> I love Luke Wilson. <laughs> I love him. And, and, and as a romantic lead, laughable. No. Perfect. Laughable. Perfect. You uh, clearly never saw Home Fries because he's also the romantic lead in that one. I would, I'm sure I'd find him just yeah, he is. laughable. With, <laughs> alongside um, Drew Barrymore. What's not to like? They've been in a few now. movies together, right? I'm trying to think of the other ones they were in where they played romantic interest. Did you ever see Bottle Rocket? Yes. What about Bong Water? No. Does that sound like a movie I would have seen? Uh, it's a funny movie. <laughs> I never even heard of that. It was all right. It's one of the few comedies about becoming a heroin addict that I can think of that are funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you Jeremy- could have left the that are funny off and it still would have made sense. No, then you, no, because then there's stuff like uh, Train Spotting that it's really good. Oh, that's true. But it had a it had a good cast back in the '90s. It had like a, Scott Kahn was in it, Brittany Murphy, Jack Black, Jeremy Sisto. I really liked him in the single episode of The X Files that he did when he was the sheriff. It's also a vampire. It's one of my favorite X Files episodes. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he was in Legally Bond and Rushmore, The Royal Tannenbaums. He's got some big movies to his name. My favorite. Luke Wilson has to be Idiocracy. Is it really? Yep, I love it. My favorite Luke Wilson is the movie in which he played Luke Wilson, which is just about every movie he's in. I like Legally Blonde. (laughs) We also have Thad Stone, which is the deaf son, um, played by Tyrone Giordano. And our last stone is Elizabeth Reeser, who was in the Twilight movies as Esme, the mother in twilight family um she plays a kid as well so i love that actress do you like elizabeth reaser she was also in uh what's the really awesome netflix horror stuff that just came out the haunting of hill house yes she was in that as well and i quite liked her there too she was really good in that Mm -hmm. um side characters in this movie that are not a part of the stone family but that interact with the stone family are Sarah Jessica Parker plays Meredith Morton, the main uptight character mentioned in the plot synopsis. She is dating Everett Stone. <sighs> Not an SJP fan? Only Not, Hocus Pocus. Not an SJP fan. 
Yeah, me either. That's so funny. I will say that SJP though, that I mean, this movie confused me enough where I wasn't sure whether I was sympathizing with her or the family. So kudos on a movie for getting me to sympathize with Sarah Jessica Parker because not known to happen. Uh, also, so playing Sarah Jessica Parker's sister in the movie is Claire Danes. She plays Julie Morton. Um, I love Claire Danes. I've always loved Claire Danes. Ever since my so-called life, have I liked Claire Danes? Are y'all Claire Danes fans? I have a hard time with Claire Danes. I am not a Claire Danes fan. Oh my I, gosh. I, I like, you know what? I liked her in Homeland. That's the only thing I ever really liked. I dated a girl in high school who looked just like her who kicked out my tooth. And, um, so I've always oh. had a weird relationship with, with Claire Danes. She was cray cray. Sounds like. Seriously. What's your favorite Claire Danes? I like Stardust. It's my favorite Claire Danes. Well, Stardust is a good movie, but I don't think it's, mm-hmm. I liked her in that movie. I just love that movie and that book in general. Yeah, it's my favorite movie she's with been her. in. I have a hard time narrowing down with her because Romeo and Juliet was like a big movie when we were in high school. And I liked that. She um, was remarkable in Temple Grandin. She was. She was also really good as Beth March in Little Women. Yes, she was. I did not. I was oh, not, and then she was in The Rainmaker, too. I love that movie. I was not as big of a fan of her in Les Mis. Same. I mean, it's a well-acted movie. That's for sure. We mentioned Parks and Rec earlier. We Paul Schneider. Paul Schneider. We have a Parks and Rec alum. That's right. He plays Brad Stevenson, who ends up being a romantic character associated with Rachel McAdam- McAdams' character. I was um, disappointed he left the, that show after, like... Parks and Rec. Mark Brandanowitz. Mm-hmm. I liked his character. And that is most of our big names in the movie. It does centralize on the family itself and the way that these kind of three exterior or so, three or so exterior characters. I think our interact. plot synopsis left some much to be desired. It does. So we gotta we've gotta talk a little bit more about the movie, right? Yes, we do. The plot synopsis discusses the main inciting incident in the movie. And that is that We have Everett, who's kind of an uptight Wall Street guy, who is dating an uptight Meredith, which is Sarah Jessica Parker's character. And it's the first time he's introducing her to his family, the Stone family, at Christmas time. And a few of the Stone family members already have opinions of this girl and how she has changed Everett and by virtue opinions of Everett because of who he's picked. Um, and then some of them are meeting her for the very first time. So she's super uptight and rigid and Everett is pretty uptight and rigid as well coming into the scenario when, when they come to meet the stones. So all of our um, discourse is centered on that. So they're not just stepping into a normal stone family reunion. They're stepping into a highly tense situation because Sybil has just found out her cancer is back and that it's super bad, like bad in the way that we, yeah, we get the sense that this is the end for her and that it is her last Christmas. Well, definitely. She says, she says at one point that um, she's worried that, that uh, Everett's screwing up his life and she won't be there to help. Right. She knows she's not going to be there. Um, So could you do me a I think we're, we're missing one important fact about Meredith, and that's that she's a racist bigot, too. And that bring, that creates problems. It is a bit of an issue. <laughs> it does could, rear could, its, its head a bit. Could you do me a favor and go back to that plot synopsis you had, Julia? It yeah. says, read, read me 
the descriptor of the family of Apostinopsis? Eccentric and outgoing family. Uh, well, and then later it mentions that they have a free-spirited way of life. Okay, so I'm just going to get my problem with this family out of the way right now. Okay. Because it reflects a lot of what my feelings about this movie are. This is one of our dysfunctional Christmas families that we've run into a million mm-hmm. times on this show. But I think back on other dysfunctional families that we've covered, from the Griswolds to the McAllisters to not even as famous ones like the Coopers even a few weeks ago. The thing that annoyed me about this family that didn't about any of the other dysfunctional families we've covered is their sense of their holier-than-thou attitude this family had annoyed the heck out of me. Diane Keaton, you said a lot during Love the Coopers that that's not your Diane Keaton, this is your Diane Keaton. I would rather Diane Keaton and Love the Coopers any day of the week over Diane Keaton in this movie. I didn't sympathize with her. I found her insufferable. And that made me sympathize with Sarah Jessica Parker, which is confusing to me because she was a horrible person in this movie. And it was like, I just didn't find any, the only person in this movie I could relate to right off the bat was Rachel McAdams. She was the only one she really was for her, because I could understand the problem she had with Meredith. It wasn't just Meredith she had problems with, she had problems with the whole world. She was a bitter, bitter soul. <laughs> yeah, well, it seemed like this whole family had problems with the world in general, except for themselves. Um, <laughs> but that's what bothered me about this family. Like, I think that, like, all these other dysfunctional families we've covered, I was thinking about this, were, they didn't have this, they were all aware they were not perfect families. Even in Love the Coopers, where Diane Keaton was trying to put together this perfect Christmas, this last Christmas for her family, because they're getting divorced. Like, she was, she knew it was an act. She knew they were all messed up. Like, I don't know. Like, I... And you can say that was the same case here, but they acted like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like this family. I didn't pick up on their sense of more or their sense of moral superiority. I didn't feel that at all about them. I did not. That was the allegation that Sarah Jessica Parker hurled at them. Yeah. But I didn't pick up on that at all. That's not what I was seeing. I was seeing that this kid had gone away and he's rushing and making a horrible decision and the whole family's upset about it. I and the whole family can see like that is bad. They can see it that these two people are not a fit. So And I I'm and gonna, I understand that, but and just one thing and then you yeah. try to change my mind. And I can I can understand <laughs> that. Like, okay, let, let's go with let's go with that reasoning, right? They can see that this is bad, he's rushing, she they're not is it fit. I don't know. I can't see my family, for example, if this was me, if I was in his shoes and brought stuff home somewhere like that and knew it wasn't a good fit and we were rushing, I can see them voicing those concerns to me. I can't see them treating said girlfriend the way they were treating Sarah Jessica Parker in this film. And that bothered me. It made them unsympathetic to me. The and only again, one who I was... Found it, and I found it very weird because I don't like sympathizing with Sarah Jessica Parker's character. Well, so I'm going to point out and call uh, uh, some serious inconsistency here. The one character that actually treated her that way is the one you said you liked the most. Diane Keaton did it too. Diane Keaton was a lot less overt. Um, 
And I know she seemed pretty over in the bedroom. You know, I mean, I think that the 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 general problem they have is from a, a concern for effort. Yeah. Oh. So can I? Okay. I was planning on I was planning on being quiet through this and letting Anthony and Julia fight and just sit back and eat popcorn, but. <laughs> okay, so I think this movie is most felt by mothers watching it. Okay. Because I feel like the entire thing is supposed to be watched through this lens of Sybil is the way she is because she's clutching, right? And her life is almost over. And so she is more desperate when it comes to Everett, which means she is reacting stronger when it comes to Meredith. Because she is. She's real biting. She's not welcoming to her. Not that I ever expect she's ever been a welcoming presence like that. She's salty. Um, her husband is extremely welcoming and that relationship felt real to me because there are lots of times you'll see two people together where one is accommodating more for the other one, right? Like if they're not a super warm and loving person, but she is warm in her own way, like with her other kids. And I just get the sense that she probably, well, we hear straight up that she's a bit of a blocker when it comes to meeting new people, right? So Thad's husband, he didn't, she didn't like him at the beginning either because she's so tightly protective of these stones, her kids, that she puts barriers up first and you have to earn her trust. While the husband immediately, you know, is warm and opening. And then her pregnant daughter is the same way, warm and loving. And she was very accommodating to Meredith as well. Um, Thad really was, uh, I mean, as much as he could be, she was a little... <laughs> hard to handle when it came to him. But I think the confusion about whether you like Meredith or don't like Meredith is that what makes this so great because one, none of these characters are flat characters to me. They're all multidimensional and you love and hate all of them at some point or another. And it's the same with Meredith and it should be because she's also in a completely uncomfortable situation. And she's coming into this battleground where she doesn't know that the mom is dying and she doesn't know there are some kids that know and there's some kids that don't. Her, and so soon to be fiance being one that doesn't. Right. Right. So but I, so I want to just point out something you said at the beginning of your statement, statement response to me that you think it's best viewed through the eyes of a mother who's dying and things like that. Okay. I will point out a movie like that that I love and felt sympathy for her the whole time, and that was Stepmother. Stepmom. Stepmom. Mm -hmm. And that movie never fails to reduce me to tears, and I never failed to sympathize with both Susan Sarandon and Julia Roberts in that movie. That movie is so well done and beautiful, in my opinion. And I feel mm -hmm. I'm not going to blame Diane Keaton. I will blame the writer. I didn't feel that for her. I just had nothing for her like I wasn't sad at the end not to jump to the end that she wasn't there that last Christmas I mean I, I can't am... watch this movie and not think about my kids and how that would be if I was in that situation yeah when you know you're you're about to be gone and your uh son is headed towards a loveless marriage that's gonna fail and I mean you know Anthony you're saying oh they weren't welcoming they weren't kind at the end of the day they were right though at the end of the show they both had to admit that they didn't actually love each other Okay, yeah, they were right at the, in the end, absolutely. But then I will. At the end, I then, but then I'll just go to, I think it was Julia. Yeah, it was Julia, not Tom, who said, 
you could relate to all the problems the Coopers are going there. You don't want a Christmas movie about that. In love okay. the Coopers. That's I'm, how I feel. I that's how I feel about this. Like I don't want a Christmas movie about the mom dying and this family treating her like that. I can agree with you on that, Anthony. I can agree with you on not wanting a Christmas movie like that, but um like this isn't gonna make my Christmas canon at the end of the day. Right. It's just not. Um movies where I'm I don't really like movies that confront me with parental mortality at all. That's just something I shy away from, which is why I'm beginning to hate Disney with a passion. Oh no, because literally a parent dies in every single movie. Every Disney movie, parents are dead. Yep. Well, and that's the, and when uh, they die on show, save Bambi, it's always the dad. Well, that's and the... all, Let's look at Lion King. I just watched the new Lion King this week, y'all. And I was reminded of the fact that Simba is just singing a song about her. He can't wait for his dad to be dead. Oh, I just can't wait for, for dad, dad to die. Uh, by the way, um, that new Lion King is freaking amazing. Right? Really? My qualm with it, though, is the no voicing. No, be prepared? Uh, no, I'm okay with that. I understand why. And um, my big... My big problem with the movie, um, the kid who voiced young Simba, his voice was terrible. He did not inflect. He didn't have emotion in it. It was not compelling. And I don't know why in the world you would pick somebody with such a unmemorable voice to replace Jeremy Irons. Oh, well, at Geofor. Is that who played Scar? Scar, yep. He did not have the gravitas and the grand the grandeur that Jeremy Irons brought to that character. Absolutely. I'll agree with that. But I do like the little bits of backstory they added for his character. Oh, 100%. It made it, made it make a lot more sense. You kind of always assumed in the original Lion King that Mufasa gave Scar the scar, right? Mm-hmm. Julie, have you and seen then it ju- And then it was just no, an awful not a Lion King fan, though. I'll see it at some point. Him with that nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you should watch it with the family. It's good. Okay. Very good. Make it a movie night. Like, I absolutely, uh, I, I love it. I love it. Wait, so Tom, real quick, not to get on a Disney tangent. So Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Aladdin, ring them, the three of them. Beauty and the Beast yeah. is going to be number three. Me too. Probably visually, I like the Lion King the most. Yep. I think as too. far as casting and acting goes, Aladdin. Me too. Look at that, listeners. Me and Tom agree on a ranking. Yeah, it would have to go Aladdin, Lion King. I would watch Lion King more often than Aladdin, but I like Aladdin more. 100%. I like the the visual aspects. Oh, see, the Rafiki character was awesome, too. Look look at this, listeners. We may have a lot of dissension in this episode, but we came to some form of agreement right here. And I've got to say, you were right about one thing. What? The voice casting, the voice casting of Timon was not near by Billy Eicher was not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Told he did you. it. He, he did, did it. it. All right, love fest over. Anthony, you're wrong about the Family Stone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So throughout the movie, what ends up happening is Everett begins to realize he's not in love with Meredith, and this is brought out when he meets Meredith's sister who's sort of the free spirit, likes the same things he does, um, chill sister, basically the opposite of Meredith. Um, we also have a side story where Meredith, after getting into a fight with Everett because of the dinner scene, um, spends Can some time. Can we talk about the dinner scene before we go? We will. 
Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we will. Okay. Um, Meredith retreats to the local bar with Ben, the Luke Wilson brother, who is a f- the opposite of Everett. Um, and they connect a bit too. Basically, Ben's like, you need to chill, you know, but he doesn't do it in an abrasive way. I think like she's probably always told to chill. He does it in a, what I think is a pretty loving way. He's a laid back guy. I really like Ben's character. He's a bit of a pothead. Um, but I like him. Luke Wilson plays a good pothead. So, uh, so can I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay. okay so this, this dinner scene and then the subsequent, uh, subsequent events, it's all Christmas Eve, correct? It is Christmas Until the Eve. Next, I just don't buy the switch here would happen in a period of like 12 hours. It's a Christmas like, miracle. He, he, Anthony. Like, like it he is was, a Christmas like miracle. Talk it up to a Christmas was, miracle. Okay, like even even though she was completely wrong for him, 100% I'm on your page, whatever. Even if she was completely wrong for him, the fact that he was in his mind going to propose to her and then the switch happens for both of them. For both of them, just like that. I can understand breaking up within that period, but not I don't know. I don't know. It's I just was a little too fast for me for a movie that's not a Hallmark movie in which we expected. Like this was a theatrical film and I was I don't know. I so, think the switch can happen because he wasn't gonna propose to her because he loved her. He was proposing to her because it was the next logical step. And same thing for her. I well, think it would have been completely th- different if they were actually invested in each other. I think part of it was not only was it the next logical step, but I think he wanted to get married before something happened to his mom. I think there was like that pressure that had to, that it had to happen quickly. Yep. Because when she tells him she's sick and he starts and he, uh, it's one of his more, well, it's a well done. Yeah. Uh, performance. One of the few times I'll give him that much credit as a good actor. Uh, <laughs> broke my heart seeing him, seeing what happened the moment he heard about his mom. Um, mm-hmm. you, I, I was like, that's why he's trying to get married. He wants to make sure his mom can see it, right? right. What I have a problem with Which is totally relatable and understandable, and I get that. It's not. I know we're not talking infidelity here, but it's really weird to me how they fall for each other's siblings quickly. That's where I have a problem. <laughs> that well, just, no, I, yeah. I, I have a problem with that too. One hundred percent, completely agree. Like that's just weird. I don't know why that had to be the point. Um, I, I was watching this with Sarah and I told her, you know what? I'm glad I didn't have a brother because there are so many movies that teach me, you know, I bring a girl home and you're going to be attracted to the brother instead. <laughs> That's half of the Hallmark movie canon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just half of the Hallmark Christmas movie canon. And then you throw in all the other Hallmark canon. And then you throw in theatrical films like this and like, I don't know how anyone with a brother brings home their fiance. That's so funny. Um, I also, one thing I found really beyond odd when all this weirdness is going down, it does not seem like a logical next move for me to call my sister to come stay. Right. Agreed. Right. Especially it's, it's hard for me to believe that these two girls as sisters were as close as they would have to be in order to call your sister and say, hey, come here and crash this party with me. Um, and, I think, and the, and I think you just put like, words, you just put the words to what my problem was with, with that, I think. I don't think I had actualized the relationship part of it. I was just really annoyed. But I think maybe if they had been more alike or they had been closer, um, sure, I could have bought, I may have bought, I still would think it weird that you call your sister and invite her to your yeah. failing relationships 
family. Well, what I didn't well, get either was the fact that, and I'm sure there are people who can relate to this and it happens in my life and the people I know, I've never seen it. I would just feel very uncomfortable if I was in Sarah Jessica Parker's shoes going to stay at a motel and then showing up the next day for Christmas after leaving their house like that and then coming back. I just feel like I, I didn't, I, I feel like especially at that point they're quote unquote serious. Like I feel like a lot of people would have just stuck it out one night. But I didn't, that yeah. didn't ring true to me. Although I'm sure it probably does for some people. I would have felt very uncomfortable in Sarah Jessica Parker's shoes too, because I saw her shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag no foot prisons. Um, and that scene with the, why, where did the, when did the niece get her shoes to break them? Like that was awkward too. She got yeah. him out of her room. She was right, commenting but, on how pretty her shoes were. But none of the family got onto the niece for breaking these shoes at all. Nobody said anything to her. Right. If they didn't like her. I don't care. You still teach your child about boundaries. Yeah. Not this family. Well, there's well, a general when, unease, and that's the point. Yeah. When <laughs> Sybil's telling them about the experience that Brad and Amy shared and how blunt yes. she is, I was, that just made me cringe. And also, her the way she talked about her son's sexual relationship with, I don't, that was just weird. So that after I watched it, after I watched weird. this movie the other night, I turned on Freeform and Hocus Pocus was on. And I was like, man, this is a Sarah Jessica Parker movie I like. I watched, Free, <laughs> I watched Hocus Pocus with my grandma while she was here. Oh, making memories. That's okay, so speaking movie. of making memories, <laughs> we got to talk about the dinner scene. So this is most definitely like, this is the thing that breaks it all. <laughs> is this, this dinner scene. So Meredith's sister has come by this point. So it's the whole Stone family with Meredith and Julie there as well. And they're getting to know each other. And Julie makes a comment to Thad and his husband that, that they want to adopt. And they're, they're looking to adopt a child. And everybody's so happy about this. And Julie questions if they have any preference on the race of their child because dad's husband is black and he's white and all of this. And they basically say, no, we're just happy to have a child. Well, Meredith balks a little bit that she, that Julie asked this question, but everything seemed to go well with the answer. Julie was well received. So then Meredith decides to. And as an adoptive dad i will say that's a perfectly i won't say perfectly acceptable but it is a far more common question than you would think people would ask okay good people to know. ask all the time about ethnicity with adoption and i don't understand why they feel like that's okay <laughs> right <laughs> she does phrase it like and um, julie's just a lot more well received than meredith is just in well, general got, her whole demeanor people skills Exactly. Yeah. Her demeanor is different entirely. And so Meredith feels like it's okay for her to ask as well questions that she's been wondering about, except hers goes about as wrong as it can go. I feel like she's not intentionally being mean and bigoted. I didn't feel it was intentional. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think we are. I don't think we are. I think we're supposed to feel her absolute uncomfortable situation in that she doesn't know how to talk to other humans and she basically asks if they're concerned about them being that they're going to make their gay, kids gay 
raising a son. Exactly. And so she asks this and it causes everybody at the table to get in that fighting posture. Basically it continues well, to go Kelly, the father like snaps at her, which is the first and only time in the movie we see him like really lose his temper. And yes. at this point, any decent human being would have stopped. Yes. But right. she continues to try and defend herself to try and express to them. I'm not saying this in a mean way. <laughs> I'm just asking the question and it, it does, it gets to a point where, yeah, where Kelly shuts it down, but even Everett says stop. And Sybil well, is... Sybil makes a joke that she wishes all of her sons would have been gay. Because then they never would leave her, which is very indicative of Sybil's character. It is. And I think everybody understood that as a joke. And like, Thad says, oh, mom asked me when I was eight if, she was, if I was gay. And Everett says, mom asked us all if we were gay. Don't try to, be spe- don't try to feel special right now. You know, it's just, they're all trying to turn this into a a joke. And where it really explodes is when Sarah Jessica Parker says, you wouldn't really want your kids, nobody would want their kid to be gay. Everybody, and she uses the term normal. Like, yep. and I, and Sybil loses it because she's very, very protective of her kids. And sorry, Anthony, if if you disagree, I liked it. I liked her response at how, mama bear came out mm-hmm. when she when she made an, an intimation that thad is not quote unquote normal mm-hmm. i did too and i liked kelly's response as well because that's exactly how i would have i mean i feel like i would have responded in exactly the same way well i think if somebody had come in and called said my daughter was not normal Im- implied somehow that my daughter was not normal i would ask them to leave my home <laughs> Right. They handled it with a lot more civility and grace than I think I would have. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's where you're coming from. You see it. You're, you see it from a parent's that parent's perspective. Because I, yeah. I don't know if I always would have sided so starkly with Sybil here, but I definitely did. So that does cause that does cause the family to scatter, mm-hmm. and this is where Meredith and Ben go to the bar and they meet Brad, and this is where. Everett after, and Julie leave together. After um, Meredith wrecks the car trying to leave. <laughs> after she wrecks the car, that's right. Kelly, the dad, kind of, we see them. It, every, I mean, it, this effectively ends Christmas dinner, Christmas Eve dinner, and everybody's in a real weird spot. Real weird spot. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody ends up coming back together the next morning for Christmas morning. And it's where we have a little bit of resolution. I was going to say during this bender, she ends up getting, Meredith ends up getting completely lit at the bar, buys everybody drinks, ends up meeting Brad, brings up the fact that Brad was Amy's first and invites him to the family Christmas dinner to make Amy uncomfortable. Um, Because Amy has been terrible to her up until this point. Amy has been terrible. Not that I don't enjoy Amy's character, by the way, Anthony. She makes me laugh. Um, but she has been terrible to Meredith. Outright terrible. She has. So she Meredith has. loses her I, I, could, I could find her being like a typical younger sister. Yeah, no, it felt totally on point to be the baby of the family, right? She did feel like the Anthony of the family to me. Oh, gosh. Well, I was she the was older brother, college Tom, age. not the younger sister. 
She's a college age kid. You know, she's still working on getting things together. So no, she felt totally authentic. I mean, I, 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 I got her. I didn't buy mean. her as a college kid though. I didn't buy her as a college kid. No, I didn't either. But she's I, I, supposed to be though, right? Oh, is she? Well, she had a big book bag and a basket full of laundry when she came home. Oh, yeah, she was, supposed, she was supposed to be a college student. She was supposed student. to meant, be college age. Okay. I thought you meant, well, she's supposed to be an older college student. No, no. Um, yeah, I just no, didn't I buy figured. her as a college student. Well, I mean, like I said earlier, she her attitude towards Meredith was the only one I could really get behind in this movie. <laughs> so, okay, so Christmas morning. Everybody convenes again. Um Everett has gotten the wedding ring from his mom to give to Meredith. And his mom basically tells him that she loves him. She tells him she's dying and that she had promised she would give him this ring and she was going to do it. She said, but you still know that Meredith is not the girl and she thinks Meredith is not the girl, but she said she'd do this thing. So she's going to do this thing and she's not going to have this bad blood between them at this point at the end of her life. Right. It's just not worth it. So Everett is interested in Julie and asks Julie to try the wedding ring on just to see what it would look like. <laughs> and everybody is knows weird. this is a terrible idea. Super weird. But they had to get this action in the plot in order for it to all go haywire, right? I mean, that's why it was done. We have Rachel McAdams who's surprised by Ben showing Brad showing up, but you can kind of tell there's a little spark there still. We have Luke Wilson, who has woken up that morning, or Meredith, who woke up in Luke Wilson's character's bed. She thinks they slept together. And so Luke does Kelly, is, who walked into the room and saw yes, her. Yes, so does bed. Kelly, who saw that. That's right. Luke came out of the shower. We don't know what he believes, but he's in a pretty darn good mood. But he is really in the entire movie, so there's no change say, That's there. just his character. That's just his character. Um, and then we have uh, Sybil, who's emotional right but anyway we get them all around the christmas tree and meredith everybody's coming off that rough dinner the night before meredith is there and it's super awkward and everybody i mean it's awkward and so she decides she's going to just give them her presents straight up because just like we're going to get it done right so she gives each each one of the kids gets a present and, and so does sybil and her husband and the present ends up being this picture of Sybil when she was younger, pregnant. The beautiful picture sitting in front of a window. It's actually a picture of Diane Keaton, obviously not pregnant because she was never pregnant, but they, they took a real picture of a young Diane Keaton and made her pregnant. And this causes everybody to lose it in one way or another because they all have like this heightened awareness of their mom that Meredith knows nothing about, nothing. And so this ends up being kind of a salve for the family and Meredith because Meredith did this amazing thing to them. And so that causes kind of the roll down the hill for the rest of the movie. I, it was after this point we got into the stupidest moment of this film. Please tell me you're going to talk about the bus. Oh, no. Before the bus. The stupidest, slapstickiest moment oh. of this film where I, I i i walked out of the room at this point because i couldn't i couldn't with the freaking score from the nutcracker when mcdermott or mulrooney and owen wilson were chasing each other around and sarah jessica parker and diane keaton are falling over each other in the kitchen and 
I rolled my eyes so hard. It was like, this is so out of place, especially after this beautiful scene, and especially right before this dramatic bus scene. It just felt so out of place and so over the top for this movie. I couldn't. I couldn't. It was at this move. It was at this moment. I walked out for a bit, checked my watch, and was trying to figure out how much longer I had to sit through. I love this scene. All of it. It's perfect. So <laughs> I kid you not. I love the boys chasing each other and slapping each other under the table, and him telling him not to mess up his new jacket, and the girls with the strata. It cracked me up. I needed it. I needed to breathe again after that scene with the picture where she looks at Amy's character and she goes, that's you and me, kid. Like I needed this. I needed to like, just like shake it off and laugh a little bit. So this is perfect See, that, for me. I would have enjoyed it better. Not if it stayed people. heavy. Because it just feels out of place because it goes right back to being heavy. And I'm like, like it just, it like killed the momentum. It killed the down roll through the rest of the movie. Like, I, I, I hated it. No, so see, this felt accurate I, to me. I'm going to come in in the middle here <laughs> between you two and say I thought the Strata part was hilarious. Uh, it was over the top, but it was supposed to be, and I was mm -hmm. okay with that. I did not enjoy the brothers at all because it felt very disgenuine. Disingenuine to me? disingenuous just like the relationship of the whole yes movie. thank you there we go. it felt very disingenuous to me completely because um at this point he thinks his brother slept with the woman he's about to marry and the brother's defense is you don't even love her well you know that's kind of a <laughs> he might think that but luke wilson has said we didn't we totally didn't this is not what happened we didn't we didn't we didn't yeah do we know? I mean, are we just taking his word for that? Do we know they didn't? Because it's she woke up without her clothes on. I believe him. I believe he's Luke Wilson. Doesn't seem like a liar to me in this movie. Why'd she take her clothes off? Yeah, I was. I didn't buy Luke Wilson. I didn't buy it either. Really? Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. No, he didn't seem like a liar to me. So they both just happened to sleep naked in the bed. Well, we don't know that he, he slept naked in the bed. He doesn't know that he slept naked. He just took a shower. He, was he said he shower. slept on the floor. So, but he let her get naked in the bed? Okay, I, I, I don't have a brother, but I have a lot of male cousins. And you, if I took one of their... girl, Well, no, if I took one of their girlfriends home and she was drunk and I was just trying to put her to bed and she started taking off her clothes, I would need to put a stop to that. <laughs> you would leave the room? I would do something so it doesn't like ah uh, yeah why well, that came out wrong. I would do something to show. Wow wow! Oh Anthony's making his move <laughs> to show I wasn't going to you know take advantage or even so there were, that wouldn't even be a thought. Like I would have to yeah Tom leave the room or something. Yeah absolutely. I just I I didn't buy that they didn't stuff together. Well, no wonder you didn't like the rest then. If you think that they did, then... I thought they did. Yeah, see, if I thought they did, that would ruin the movie for me. But I don't think they did, so it doesn't. Oh, with the whole them fighting at Christmas time, Marty has three brothers, and this happens every Christmas. They play fight, and they'll smack each other around, and it always makes me laugh. So it seemed legit to me. See, that would be if there weren't the thought of, like, infidelity and all the emotions that were running. Yeah, right? I, think his, I think he just believed him when he said that he didn't. Because I think these guys know each other. They're brothers. 
And then we get to the second stupidest scene in this movie, which is the bus scene. The bu- How so about you talk about the bus Julia. scene? I, 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 I really am sorry, Julia. I don't think you are. You tell us what the bus scene is like. <laughs> I am. I am. I know you love this film. I'm sorry. I, I, uh, You're not diminishing my love for the film, so it's totally fine. But you get to talk no, about know, the bus scene. Like, don't really don't conflate I, Julia's opinion of your opinion, Anthony. <laughs> I, no, I know. It's just I know how I get, how frustrated I get when I'm on the receiving end when you two are hating on something I really like. So I apologize. I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> when we talk, you know what I thought of? I thought of The Grinch just now. God, that movie's terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is just bad. Okay, the bus scene. What happens at the bus scene? Uh, let's see. What's Mulroney's character's name? Everett. 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 Yeah, I forgot. That's about right for this pompous family. So I like that name. Everett. Gets, I do too. Everett gets his father and his deaf brother to take him to the bus station where. Claire no, James Everett is. starts running to the bus station and they come and, and pick they, him up. Yes. Yep. And they go drive him to the bus station where Claire Danes is going to get a bus out of town. She's getting out of there. And he wants to go stop her. He wants her to stay. So he's into her. And, uh, and he gets there at the perfect time. At the perfect time. Right as the bus is pulling up. He's like, don't get on the bus. Blah, 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 blah. She does. Until a few minutes ago, I was dating your sister. But please, stay for me. Yeah. Exactly. Like, that's a weird conversation to have. <laughs> he's very sad. Then the bus stops halfway up the street. And she gets off of it. And the two of them have this conversation in the snow directly in front of the bus with the headlights shining on them. And if I'm the bus driver at this point, I'd be like, hurry the heck up, lady. Piss her get off the pot. Like, come on, come back onto the bus. Like, you're holding me up. On, well, and on <laughs> Christmas Eve, people are trying to get to their families for Christmas. This made me mm-hmm. unnaturally mad, this scene. But they had this long intimate conversation in front of this bus full of It's people. not that like, long. She says, what are you doing New Year's Eve? That's all I wanted to know. What are you doing for New Year's? <laughs> it's long enough. Like, First of all, on his bus driver, I don't know if I would stop. I would have stopped. I donh my know if I would have stopped. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Fine. She gets off, says, what are you doing for New Year's Eve? He agrees to take her on New Year's Eve. So 15 seconds. 15 seconds those parents could have got home on that bus to their kids early. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I hate to admit, but I am very much in agreement with Anthony on this one. A little schmaltzy for you. No, it's not schmaltzy. It's that like, I've had to do that last minute travel I, to, to, to get home and there's nothing worse than like the wait, like right? Trying to get home. Yeah. I, think I, tra- I think I traveled home on the 23rd um, of December and it was just an awful feeling not being with the ones you love being held up right and like like when you're in a plane right and your plane is delayed for 20 minutes because some idiot decided to get to the airport last minute and you see him walk onto the plane after the doors are supposed to close and like everyone's giving them the dirty eye walking on like oh i would have been so annoyed like she probably got like so many stairs on that bus and she went back on i will say at this point it's christmas day it's not christmas eve it's late well, that's even worse. Like maybe you had to on work. Christmas Day. Maybe you had to work all day, and you're trying to get home to see your family for just a few moments before your kids go to bed. <laughs> I'm so glad you're worried about all the fictional travelers. <laughs> <in this movie. 
Oh, Julia. All right. <laughs> it is schmaltzy. I agree. I, but I don't I hate. Tear. I don't hate the nice shot of Dermot Mulroney's face while he's jogging with his hoodie on, though. That made me very happy. <laughs> he's born to wear a hoodie. So what did you think of the ending scene with Meredith and Luke Wilson's character? I liked it better than Everett and Claire Danes' character. It I like how... As, it wasn't as hokey to me. Yeah. I like the I comment about, should we get that shirt enjoy. off of you? Yeah. Right? Kind of like the moment he says that? Yeah. yeah. Although, like, again... You have to wonder why did she wear that shirt the whole day? And also, mom was getting real handsy with uh, son's ex-girlfriend. In the kitchen, Sybil was like unbuttoning her shirt. That's like a motherly thing to do. That didn't seem weird to me. That was like her, she was finally like taking care of Meredith. Well, I just want to warn- thing that had not happened. I just want to warn Gabe not to bring girls home because mom may just start unbuttoning her blouse in the middle of the kitchen. Oh, (laughs) Lord. It starts to snow. Uh, we see Thad's husband come up behind Sybil and basically ask her if she's okay. It's the last scene that we see Sybil in for the movie. It's her yeah. standing at the kitchen sink and it's snowing outside. And then we jump forward one year. And then we jump forward a year. They that, have bought their Christmas tree. That jump was really awkward. To go right to the car pulling up to the right. wintry f- house. Because at first I was confused and I was like, there's no way they got a baby in one day. Oh, well, this is what's happening. Well, yeah, it would have it been a nice transition shot had they had the little caption that said one year later. Yeah, or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It would have been a smoother. Because, yeah, you don't realize until Thad and his husband are getting their child out of the car. Um, By the way, that child is freaking adorable. Oh, my gosh. King Gus. Oh, I love Kelly's care. I love Craig T. Nelson in this movie. Uh, you and me both, kid. You Him and, and the dad. Both. His the dad is just so good. So we see them get out and they have a child. The the daughter that was pregnant has a human child now. So she's obviously given birth in the last year. Meredith and Ben are still together. Everett and Julie are together. We see Amy with Brad Stevenson. They're together. Amy looks more grown up, kind of more, you know, mature. That's and what's I, happened in a year, and she's grown. We didn't really touch on it earlier, but Brad Stevenson is a funny guy. I love him. I, 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 I did, I, that was my favorite part of that slapsticky scene when they're running around and all that mayhem is happening, and he just reaches over. He's like, I don't think we've met. I'm Brad. Yeah. I also like when she blurts out, I slept with your brother. He goes, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like he that. does that like guffaw laugh. <laughs> And, so I feel, and I feel, I felt like his character, as little screen time as he got, is somebody every family can relate to. There's always that one little awkward, funny guy in every family like that. Yeah. And I loved him for Amy. Yeah, me too. It yeah. was a nice contrast. Um, so the end, end of the movie is where they're decorating the tree, and they're obviously all thinking of Sybil, and it's real bittersweet. And but... the picture Meredith got them is hanging on the wall. So yep. she's still like watching. That was sweet. Right? She was still there. And that is the family stone. So I feel like I was a little hard on this movie. Can I mention some of my positives? I didn't really get a chance to mention. Yeah. If any of those positives are favorite quotes and scenes, I would encourage them. Uh, they're not. They're just general things I liked about the movie. I, like I will say too. this movie looked very Christmassy. And yes. right from the opening moments of the film, when they're playing, what song was at the beginning? It was The score is great. 
I didn't mention that. The score is Michael Giacchino. Giacchino. I don't know how to say his name from all the great Pixar's. And- oh, when they're when they're playing "Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow" at the very beginning, as we open the film, like immediately in the Christmas mood. And mm-hmm. I'll say, as much as I didn't like this movie, it did very well with the atmosphere, the music. Like I was in a Christmas mood the whole time. Is it a Christmas so, movie? It's without a doubt a Christmas movie. Does it have Linus moments? Without a doubt, it has one of those moments. I'm not arguing either of those facts. What about you? Same, Tom? I really want to disagree with Anthony. <laughs> it's just your natural inclination. It is. It is. But no, yeah, I agree. It's it not my too. preferred type of Christmas movie, but I'm not going to take that away from it. It put me in the Christmas movie. It time. was a Christmas movie. I will yeah, say, absolutely. I will say, uh, the, my least favorite line of the movie you have a freak flag, you just don't fly it. I like that because it's all oh. about your Christmas freak flag fly. Any favorite quotes or scenes? I have one. I liked when um, Meredith and Mitch, except with the brother, like you said, uh, Brad laughs. But I, li- <laughs> so I like uh, Everett's just kind of shocked. He was like, you slept with who? And he turns to dad, like gay one, and he's like, don't look at me. <laughs> I liked when Meredith was going to go, when uh, Meredith first, I think she first got there or whatever. And she said she had to step out. And Ben says, uh, don't dilly-dilly there, pretty lady. We're going to all be down here talking about you. <laughs> and it's the exact kind of thing uh, I think I would say. Yeah, I could totally see that. <laughs> I'm not gonna I kind of love in a masochistic sort of way each individual scene where Sybil connects with her kids and kind of lets them know what's going on, you know? Because I think it's great acting. Luke Wilson's was believable to me. Dermot Mulroney, it's his best scene in the whole movie. Just the level of emotion in this movie is really good to me. Makes me hurt. (laughs) So I liked when they were playing charades. And Meredith is up and signals she has four words. She's, it's the four word movie title. And Amy's like, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Oh wait, that's six words. (laughs) she's terrible (laughs) I I think she was was funny she was absolutely funny she really was Um, and when Sybil says Christmas is not clothing optional this year we have a guest yeah (laughs) that made me uncomfortable (laughs) all right so we gotta rank this thing somewhere where's it gonna go and I'm giving this right there where I did the uh, Meet the Coopers. I'm giving it a f- solid five. I'm going to come in at a 9.2. Ooh. Ooh. I am going to give it a solid four, which puts it at 6.067. You know, I find these moments funny. <laughs> Anthony comes into this. I didn't like that movie at all. And I come in, you know, I like that movie. It was good. I give it a five. He gives it a four. <laughs> <laughs> And that, and that puts it at uh, number 23 on our list. So it's still pretty high up there. It's between A Nightmare Before Christmas and Family Man. I would put it in your Family Man. Yeah. Um, logical. Well, it wasn't as painful as I thought it would be, even though I'm still surprised that Anthony didn't like this movie. That's one of the four down. Which Man, I have to re- reevaluate I- my list. Uh, speaking of that, can we read a comment from Reddit? Because somebody started to thread on Anthony's forum popular opinions. Absolutely. I was thinking about doing it, but I thought, let's see if any listeners are actually listening. And they oh, were. Yeah, they, oh, yeah, they were. Jerry Davila <laughs> started, started a thread, Anthony's Four Unpopular Opinions. And he said, so I think Anthony's upcoming unpopular opinions are, in no particular order, one, White Christmas, 
two, Scrooged, three, It's a Wonderful Life, four, Miracle on 34th Street original. Oof. I will say if I will I will say if he's right or wrong, but I'll say that's a very like miserable December for me if those are all my unpopular. I don't think Scrooge is on the list. I really don't. So Disco Fifty Four replied, "He doesn't hate Scrooge." I'm with you. I wouldn't. Disco. I wouldn't blame him if he wasn't fond of White Christmas. It took a few goes. I only watched Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street last year. It was interesting to compare it to the remake because the remake is a much softer film. Mm-hmm. And to which G.J. DeVilla replied, I prefer the original over the remake, but I'm sure it's pure nostalgia. White Christmas I love, but there's definitely some sketchy sections. To which Disco replied, I skip a few of the dance bits to make it faster. There's no doubt it's very dated and it can't be made today, but it's a Stone Cold classic. So you have to take it for what it is, not for what you think it ought to be. I'm with them. Uh, the, the whole cho- If they would make the movie without the entire choreography number, I would be a lot happier. It's far too long. It's far too awkward. It's just trying to be, you know, I don't know. I want to say avant-garde, but that's too early for avant-garde. Wait, you know? so <laughs> now, so now, both Tom and Jerry think I hate Scrooge. Was that you who thought I hated Scrooge, Tom, or is that Julia? No, it's me. I don't think you hate Scrooge. Interesting. But I'm questioning my choices tonight after this movie, so you know. Um, can I read another Reddit comment? Absolutely. And this, so we dropped our bonus Halloween Hocus Pocus episode. Yes. was a fun blast in the past because it was so early on when we recorded that episode. (laughs) But Dunder and Blixum actually had some nice input on why he thinks Hocus Pocus has staying power. So I just wanted to read his comment. Hocus Pocus has staying power, and I don't believe it's because of nostalgia. Growing up, this movie was never on my radar. When it comes to Halloween nostalgia, Halloween Town and Halloween Town 2... Calabar's Revenge make way more waves. But from an objective standpoint, it's clear that Hocus Pocus is a theatrical release film with a theatrical release budget, and it's the best film of the three. I think the reason it's so beloved and continues to grow in its admiration is precisely because of just how many Christmas films are out there, as we've seen from your show covering one or more per week for over two years. As Christmas movies saturate the holiday movie market, we realize with every new Christmas film just how few there are devoted to the other holidays. And I mean devoted, as in central to the plot. Besides these three and Charlie Brown, what other family-friendly Halloween movies, movies about the holiday of Halloween, are there? Even some other staples like Corpse Bride or Sleepy Hollow never mention Halloween, even though that's from watch it. It's this dichotomy, this growing dichotomy between the abundance of Christmas movies and lack of other holiday movies that keeps the love for Hocus Pocus growing each year. My two cents. That's amazing. Yeah, that's totally accurate. I never stopped to think about it. We don't have lots of true core Halloween movies. Double, double, toil and trouble. I used to love that movie as a kid. Twitchers. (laughs) Oh, Tom is being pedantic and Googled it. (laughs) No, I'm not. No. <laughs> the actual movies I have watched this year for Halloween. Okay. How, Halloween. How, does, how does Double Double Toy on Trouble hold up? It's adorable. Um, it's yeah. precious. It's precious. <laughs> it's a really sweet little movie. The girls are so cute in it. And uh, just one more thing I want to read. I'm sorry, Julia. Twitches is not good. I got something to talk about, too. So our listeners appear to want a Facebook group for Tissa Podcast. They participated in a poll. 40 people voted voted yes. Zero people voted no for a Facebook group 
separate from our page where they can have more interaction like you get on Reddit. So I think that's a good idea. I love it. I don't know why we haven't it, thought of doing that. Yeah. Because it's it's harder to for them to interact with each other on the page because often listener posts go unnoticed. Right, because it group, doesn't oh. it doesn't let everybody know. Right, but in oh. a group it will. So by the hey. time you're listening to this, we will have a page created and we'll I'm have a Facebook page. So I'm excited too because Reddit we get so much good feedback on. So hopefully we'll yeah. get so much cool interaction in our Facebook group. Uh, I want to welcome a new Patreon to the Patreon Club. Josh Bruce came in at our top tier level, which means that we will have Mr. Bruce on an episode. We don't know exactly when uh, that will be uh, or what movie. He's leaning towards Max Licato, The Christmas Candle, which I have not seen. And Anthony, he is another New Yorker. Welcome, Josh. Welcome, so I love our Patreon co-hosts episodes. It's so much fun for me. Me too. <laughs> I do have a question. Is that something they get to do one time or do they get to do that yearly? Right, absolutely. I love it. I'm so excited about this. I love having, I love getting to talk to our, our users. I will say you I love called him, you did call him Bruce in your email. His name is Josh. Thank you for that, Julie. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're I really, welcome. Really appreciate that being shared with the entire world. I do what I can. Uh, <laughs> Which Sorry, by Josh. his email, by his email, it looks like a Bruce. Yeah, I just right? didn't read the email from Patreon very well, where it clearly says Joshua Bruce. But <laughs> even then, I would have called him Joshua instead of Josh, so I still would have been wrong. And speaking of Patreon, for those of you who are subscribed to our Patreon, by the time you're listening to this. There should be a bonus Halloween Patreon exclusive episode up for you, uh, in which the three of us cover It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. So keep an eye out for that. And if you're on Patreon and did not get your Patreon exclusive discount code for the Tis the Podcast shop, which is at shop.tisthepodcast.com, let us know. If there's anything you want to buy, we will give you, as a patron, you get 25% off of the price. I'm still waiting on the co-host code, Tom. Uh, I got to figure out how to do that because, yeah, there's some, <laughs> there's some complications. I, I wanted to put together a few kids of podcast goodie bags for Christmas. I'm putting my own money into the show. <laughs> into our pockets. But, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So we talked about our communities, and it looks like we're going to, I don't know, we're going to have to talk about our Facebook uh, since we're adding a second Facebook property there, but we've got uh, a Facebook, a Reddit, a Twitter, an Instagram, and a Patreon. And you can access all of those by going to tisthepodcast.com slash enter your social media here. So you can go to tisthepodcast.com slash Twitter and go to our Twitter. And let us know why uh, Julia's right when it comes to the Family Stone and why Anthony's wrong. And give your opinions on uh, Anthony's four... Well, now three unpopular Christmas movie opinions. Because <laughs> I want to see if anybody actually guesses all of them. What are we doing next week? The Chilling next Adventures week. of Sabrina, A Midwinter's Tale, followed by is, Prancer. Is this our last? Oh, my God. Next week's the last week of October, isn't it, guys? Yeah, that's That's crazy. So, Holy. Julia, what are your kids being for Halloween? So Gabe is a hot dog. Jude is going to be. We didn't talk about what Jude is going to be because we weren't sure. Right. What's he going to be? 
Jude is going to be the alphabet. All of it? That's All cute. of it. Nice. How are you doing? So, well, so I will say, we thought he was going to be Mickey Mouse. And he was super excited to go to Target and look at the Mickey Mouse costumes. And so we saw the costumes and he wasn't that excited. And we're like, oh my gosh, there's Mickey Mouse. And he looked at him and he's like, I don't want to be Mickey Mouse. And we're like, what do you want to be? He's like, I want to be W. I'm like, W? <laughs> and he's like, I love W. And I'm like, what about if you were the whole ABCs? And he's like, I love the ABCs. <laughs> so basically I cut all the letters out of fabric and I'm going to just sew them to his clothes. Oh, that's so excited. Yeah. I, Joey, by the way, that picture of the hot dog costume, every time that comes, <laughs> like I'm posting on Instagram and that comes up, like, yeah. so funny. He's hilarious. Have y'all decided Todd, on your costumes? Me and Sarah. Sarah doesn't yeah. want to dress up this year. What? I'm no. dressing up this year because work still does a costume contest. Oh, nice. But I need to put my costume together. Do you know what it's going to be yet? I do. Is it under wraps until that moment? Oh, that would be awesome. If it was Tom? <laughs> if you dressed up like Tom for Halloween. That'd be so weird. Okay. It's going to be like nobody that. would even the get office it. Where, where Michael has the second head. My first head is just going to be Tom because I have the glasses and the beard, and I'll put Julia's head there, and I'm just a podcast co host. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That would be terrifying and awesome at the same time. <laughs> you have to make sure Julia's head is just as bad as Michael's second head was. Yeah. Yes. Like an awful yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> So are you keeping your real one a secret? Yeah, I'll post it on the social media, so when I Perfect. figure it out. You're thinking Ellie's going to be who for Halloween? Dolly Parton. Kristen got oh this my. ridiculously giant wig. And it is <laughs> hilarious. Oh, her, that so. would be absolutely perfect. Yeah, and she's got a little guitar. I think it's going to be pretty rad. Oh, that'll be amazing. If you could teach her Jolene, especially. We have a friend whose kid's middle name is Jolene, and uh, the dad had never heard that song. Really? Really? Is it Jolene because the mom really liked Dolly Parton? No, it's her. It's um, family name. Yeah, her mom's deceased mother's name was Jolene. Well, how about that? Jolene, 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 Jolene. I also this week was in the car and randomly started listening to Dolly Parton Christmas. So you know. Hey. There you go. Well, the the weather is changing, so I feel like you know we must. So we have Sabrina next week, and then two weeks out, we have Prancer. Right. At least okay. listeners, Sabrina will be easy to find because it's a Netflix original. So just yes. uh, turn on Netflix. Prancer, we're not sure about. I've not looked for Prancer. it. I'm very curious to see how Prancer... I haven't seen Prancer since childhood, so... Yeah. It is a dramatically different movie than you remember, Anthony. <laughs> dramatically different movie than you remember. That one I'm going to have to watch with Marty because Marty likes Prancer. But I don't think he's seen it since he was a kid. I thought I loved it as a kid, and I watched it uh, earlier this year. And I was like, huh, this is dramatically different than I remember it. Interesting. All I remember is, wasn't there like a head injury? And... Hmm. I don't know, Anthony. But you know what I do know? There are only you know, 1,560 hours until Christmas. Holy crap. That is only 65 days. And... I'm grateful to Julia and Tom, considering I was a downer this episode, to let me end on a high note. That is only nine weeks. We are in the single digits. Holy crap. I can't believe it. 
See, it's getting that point. It's getting that point now where it needs to like slow its roll because it's going like, way too fast now. Yeah, like I got lots to do and I want to savor every minute, and that's not many minutes left. It's only ninety three thousand minutes left to savor. I start and that's a that problem. Way. I start feeling that way once we hit the twelve week mark, and I know that now because this is our third time hitting it in the podcast. <laughs> all right, do your homework, folks, and we will see all y'all next week. Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Look at you. Look at you trying to be all Texan. Jingle bells, jingle bells, listen to them ring. Bringing all the happiest wishes they can bring. Jingle bells, jingle bells, echo in the air. From the folks at Capitol to you folks out there, you've been helping us. All the seasons through So we take this little way To send our thanks to you We'll sign this Christmas card With our autograph That means me and VP Glenn And our entire staff Jingle bells, jingle bells Everybody sing Fill the flowing bowl with cheer Make the welkin ring Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells Let's have a ball Happy New Year, everyone. Merry Christmas, all.